Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them. But sometimes people have uh, disagreements with us about where we've ranked something, or they uh, want to add something that is like a major factor about a film that we might have missed, and so people email us and send in appeals. And that is what we are doing today. My name is Sarah. And I'm Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we just got back from a rather lengthy trip to a different city for a friend's wedding. Yeah. Uh, that was like a, a road trip. In a different um, province. Yeah. So like eight hour drive there and back. We spent a couple days there. So we're back in Castle Scream Scene after a little bit of time away. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I had a good trip. Yeah, the automatic alligator feeder I set up for the moat worked really (laughs) well. So, uh, you know, shout out to Acme, the brand you can trust. That's right. So our appeal today comes from a listener named Saf Dawson, and she sent us the cutest email. Mm. Um, So I'm going to read through all of it. It's kind of a two-parter, I think, because the first bit, um, Saf provides some context that we missed on our episode on Anna Kyuketsuki, uh, also known as Lady Vampire, uh, which is episode 259, if uh, you're familiar with that. So Saf provides some context we missed and then also suggests a different ranking in light of this context, but also specifically uh, agreeing with me (laughs) about where we should have ranked it. So let me read through this. Hello to Castle Scream Scene. I loved your recent episode on Anakyu Katsuki, the lady vampire. However, I think you missed an important bit of context when discussing the film and that you should consider re-ranking it because of that. During the discussion section, you mentioned that you're not super familiar with the censorship laws or practices in Japan, but that the levels of sex and violence in the film felt like it was pushing boundaries. Although it definitely was pushing boundaries, it probably wasn't in the way that it would have in the West, particularly when it comes to the sexiness of the film. Traditionally, public displays of affection were seen as very taboo in Japanese stage and cinema, so much so that prior to the American occupation, even the use of the word kiss was prohibited by the censorship office. Because of this, one of the American occupation's democratization efforts was to bring Japanese media more in line with Western media by portraying more physical romance. The first on-screen kiss in Japanese film was in 1946's Hitachi no Seishin, uh, also known as a 20-year-old youth. And this display of affection was heavily encouraged by MacArthur and occupation censors. Many within Japan saw the rise of PDA in both media and general culture as a Western imposition. And of course, discussion of this was suppressed. Also worth noting is the fact that during the occupation, any discussion or portrayal of relationships between Japanese women and American servicemen was forbidden, especially in reference to any sexual assaults of women by American servicemen. One of the workarounds for the censorship was to use any portrayed sexuality as a code for Western imposition. 
Although the American occupation officially ended in 1952, these trends in both culture and censorship were definitely still alive and well in 1959 when The Lady Vampire was released. She continues, Considering the explicit reference to Amakusa Shiro in the film, as well as the use of overt sexuality as a coded reference to Western influence and the erosion of traditional Japanese values, I think that Anakyu Ketsuki is exploring the traditional vampire fears of foreigners through a really interesting mid-century Japanese lens. Particularly the theme of, if you love me, you'll drink my blood and live forever, is a very interesting parallel to Amakusa's Catholicism and the symbolic blood-drinking so prevalent in Catholicism. I think that the sexual nature of the vampire and the legacy of Amakusa Shiro being called out, the vampire can definitely be seen as a stand-in for foreign influence. In the discussion section, Ben specifically calls out the feralness of the vampire's attacks and how it felt like a reference to sexual assault. To me, that is Saf, that seems like a very deliberate criticism of both the continued American influence over Japan following the official end of the occupation and of the continuing westernization of Japan. Also, I think the fact that this subtext was missed in your initial analysis of the movie was exactly the point. It was purposefully designed to be missed by Western audiences. If you were to consider re-ranking Anakyu Katsuki with this context in mind, I actually think that Sarah's original range between Evampiri and Jujin Yuki Otoko is really appropriate. I personally, uh, Saf, uh, would probably slot it in between The Bad Seed and Cult of the Cobra because I think the subtextual message gives it more bite than Cult of the Cobra, but that the other issues with the film put The Bad Seed with its innovative, creepy kid murderer above it. Um, and then she continues saying that she listens to the show with her partner. That is just so hella cute. I just, mm-hmm. ah, so shout out to Sav, shout out to their partner, Fern. Thank you both so much for listening. Thank you for this very, very detailed email. This is like, this was amazing to read and to receive and gives us a lot to chew uh, for discussing whether we want to re-rank on a cute Katsuki. Currently, it's ranked at number 116. The range that Saf suggests is E. Vampiri at 84, down to Jujin Yuki Otoko at 101, and then her specific spot would slotted it at number 96. But what do you think about these points that she's brought forward? So I think these are all great points. Um, it's a really intelligent analysis, and it does bring to light like new information, you know, new evidence has been brought <laughs> forth to the court for this appeal. And I think that I, I tend to agree, like with the new information that uh, Saf brought forth, it does like help bolster the movie. A lot of these themes of like the vampire as metaphor for the foreigner, the themes of sexual assault, these are things we had identified, but I think we were missing that precise mm-hmm. cultural context, right? Like that, I feel like it really grounds what the movie was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think helps like contextualize the movie's impact in the culture of Japan when it was released mm. um, to a greater degree. Like the other elements of, you know, the Japanese kind of weirdly appropriating like Christian imagery because they want to do cool vampire stuff. Like that's something you see in a lot of Japanese vampire media, like this vague understanding that like, well, Christianity has something to do with it. So um, we're going to, you know, just use some of that. But the idea of like speaking to 
the westernization of romance Mm -hmm. is something that would be very like specific to this exact place and time. And I think it's really interesting how it ties in with the original intent of Bram Stoker. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a really neat linking, whether that was intentional on the filmmaker's part or not. I think they really hit the nail on the head for using vampire as this metaphor. So I, yeah, again, Saf, amazing submission. So Thank where you. did we where did we originally rank this? 116. And because you originally wanted to rank it lower than where I had been looking, and we, you know, found this as the compromise spot um because the movie does have some missteps uh maybe not missteps but it's a little wonky yeah it's not it's not perfect um i'm kind of inclined to like i really like the suggested ranking between the bad seed and cult of the cobra uh that makes a lot of sense to me i just what was the manster again uh, the Manster was also a Japanese film. Oh, that right. That guy, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. you got it now. <laughs> yeah, the guy who, yeah, becomes, he's a man who becomes a monster. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, that movie... With this context also gives really, like the context that Saf provided, mm. really uh, enhances the viewing of Manster as well. Yeah, the Manster's a weird movie. I think I'm inclined to like the monster more than Ona Kyuketsuki because it's kind of its own weird, unique thing. It's kind of a Jekyll Hyde riff, but it's just a little more bizarre. So the monster's at 93. So you're looking below 93 then? I think so. Not of this earth. That's what? The guys with the briefcases? Yes, it is like the man with the x-ray eyes, basically. Okay, with the briefcase cool. and all that. Yeah, briefcase guy. All right. Well, what do you think? Do you think this should go above the bad seed? I, like you, really like Saf's suggested spot here between Mm. the bad seed and Cult of the Cobra. I think the bad seed benefits from its performances and the filmmaking going on. Sure. Um, And that might just be because, you know, it's Hollywood and having a ton of money. Uh, I think also it benefits from like just the clarity of purpose. Like the bad seed is about like, hey, what if a kid was a psychopath? And that's like it. Yeah, it delivers. Exactly. Whereas Ona Kyuketsuki is like a vampire movie, but it's also like it's got a lot of other stuff kind of going around, right? Yeah. I'm happy with their spot. Okay. So then that moves Ona Kyuketsuki up by, what is that? 21 spaces? Uh, math is hard. Uh, it's going in at the new 96 from where it previously was, was 116. Yes. Below the bad seed, above Cult of the Cobra. If you're listening and you're like, hey, I want to get in on that appeal action, you can do that. You can appeal this or any other ranking by emailing us at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at underscore screamscene. You can... Find us on Hive, if it's actually ever working, at Scream Scene, uh, or just on our website, ScreamScenePodcast.com. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can listen to the show using our RSS feed to subscribe using whatever podcasting app you so choose. And uh, if you are a regular listener, why not leave us a rating or a review? Doing that on iTunes, for instance, is super helpful for making sure we show up in, you know, those searches, those suggestions. 
Uh, so we really appreciate that. We also just appreciate like sharing word about the show. You know, if you meet someone at work or at school or at home who's like, hey, I've always wanted to get into like old horror movies, but like, uh, did they make horror movies before 1979? And you can be like, yes, actually, there's a whole podcast about it and let them know about us. Uh, word of mouth is the best way for us to find new listeners. And um, if you have the means and the generosity, you can also support us monetarily by going to patreon.com slash scream scene podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Typically, every week, we come out with bonus audio for patrons at $5 or more. Uh, I've been a little behind on that because we were in the, uh, what day is it, liminal (laughs) space between Christmas and New Year's. Um, But we will be kicking it up again this week and continuing on henceforth. If you are a patron at any level, you are also able to vote in our monthly poll for horror-adjacent bonus episode topics. Ben, can you guess what January's will be? Theme uh, was New Year, New Me. I'm guessing that Death Becomes Her was not defeated. It was not. Mm. Uh, with 62% of the vote, Death Becomes Her will be our bonus episode for this month. Uh, stay tuned for the poll for February's. So, Ben, what are we watching next week? Next week, Sarah, we are watching William Castle's The Tingler, starring Uh, Vincent Price. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, We had someone email us about The Tingler, uh, and I'm super excited to share what they had to say. So, tune in next week, Creatures of the Night. Bye. Bye. Bye.